0: you pay to me me to your bed
1: Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring into the studio fun and sexy guests talking about sex and sexuality. And this week I have yet another person that I got from the Twitter sphere. Because, uh, you know what, sometimes I get behind on posting the podcasts. (laughs) And sometimes I'm just like, who's out there that would like to be on here? Who has something to say about kink, about sex, about sexuality, about polyamory, all of the things. And you know what, sometimes when I fish like that, I get some, (laughs) when I bait like that, I get big fish. I don't know. But Anyway, I got lots of lovely responses. So this is another lovely person that responded to my Twitter feed. We're Twitter friends. Today is going to be our first in-person conversation. So I'm really excited not only to let you know who this person is, but also for me to find out who this person is. (laughs) So right now, you are going to, in real time, witness us going from being Twitter friends to being real friends. (laughs) But super excited. This person is a rigger, an educator, a sensual sadist, and a professional dom. Please, welcome to the mic, Lotus Rope Wolf. Hello.
0: Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Thank you so much for having me um on here your twitter friend <laughs> to be a real life friend yes thank you <laughs>
1: maybe we can be both twitter and real life friends we'll see we'll see how it goes yes. no pressure
0: <laughs> i find it to be it's more common now to reach out uh, to people via social media because of our uh, state of social distancing um, we're more inclined to reach out to people we who we could have previously never met before
1: Yeah, for me, I feel like this isn't really something maybe I would have done a year ago. Like the odd time on my Instagram, I've kind of done that in the past, but it's just I have a really small following on my Instagram. Like it's not my dom persona. So it's like a small following. It's mostly people I know, so it felt safer. But like, yeah, a year later of being basically a year of not having like access physically to like, my local community, it's, like, I'm finding a lot more value in the online community and seeing them more as, like, an actual community. Like, we're all real people doing our thing. It's just, like, we're online now. So why wouldn't I reach out in that case? You know what I mean? So thank you. So I, I really appreciate that, like, as a part of someone in my online community, you were like, yes, hello, me, please pick me.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this is the way we're, we're doing things now. And you, um, you're also looking at people's content and and seeing if they fall in line with your your philosophy or how you you see life and how you see kink and you you make those decisions it's a, I call it a visual vetting
1: yeah, and I feel like I definitely. Did that like when I did this call? You know, I'm checking out everyone's feeds and being like, okay, but would you really be a good guest? You know what I mean? And like the odd time I'd like come across a profile of someone that's like, I'd love to be on your podcast. And then I look and they're like, pinned tweet is like an anti masking video. Or something. And I'm like,
0: oh no. Like, no, no, COVID is, is real and people have lost family members and we're not going to take this thing lightly. So totally. Yeah, let's let's be serious. Let's be intentional about these things. And that's something that I I try to embody and and share with people in, in my community.
1: Yeah, totally. Like on my feed, I'm like, I want people to know that you're coming into like a safe space with me, you know, both like physical safety and like emotional safety. I want people to know that my, pra- like, the kinky core values of mine are, like, that I want to guide you and help you, and um, I also have fun. Like, I have my, my shit posting that I put out there, to, just so people know that, like, if you're getting in a session with me, it's also going to be fun. I laugh a lot. I smile a lot. I have a very playful style of domination, you know what I mean? So, if people go to my feed, I feel like they're going to get a pretty good idea of, Of who I am as a dominant, do you feel like your feed reflects like your dom persona pretty well?
0: Yes, it does. I, if you look at my feed and the content that I create, it's primarily black women experiencing kink, specifically rope bondage and impact play in a sensual way, in um, ways that differ from. What mainstream media uh, projects, and also in ways that engender intimacy and communication. It's really those are the foundations of, of kink, so consent, trust, intimacy, and just making sure that new be kinksters are introduced to that, and also that people who've been at it for a while or thinking about how they play and being intentional
1: yeah and I love that and like just like you said like how I like visually screened you was like looking through your feed and I'm like oh no this is like this is the real deal and this is also like I find I saw a lot of similarities like maybe in our you know our style or again our like kinky core values I was like okay there's like a wellness approach, you know, safety's at the forefront, for sure. There's a lot of great representation here of, like, kink that is not usually being represented, you know, in media, like in movies or TV shows or wherever people hear about kink for the first time. This is like, it feels really authentic. It's not performative. It's not just fucking two able-bodied, fit, whites as straight people it's not a straight white cis woman um, as a submissive all the time and that's it and I, some dude yeah. dominating,
0: you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it is what we see, I mean in like what, Fifty Shades of Grey the secretary, I don't know and we see that I think a lot of people's kinky keep awakenings um, that usually mention those things and it's just like oh, actually those are poor examples and also yeah terrible examples of communication and consent but hey this is you know
1: yeah but hey if that was the vessel for people to then get into kink and then actually look for like good resources and do some research and like if that was the jumping off for people to actually then explore it in a healthful way then amazing you know what i mean then i I love 50 shades Mm. if that's what people are doing (laughs) Uh, but if they're just taking it at face value and then being like, "Yeah, stalk me or whatever," <laughs> it's like, oh God! I hope no one is treating this as like a manual, a how-to manual, you know?
0: Yeah, I, the weak hope. Um, but you know, that's that's why you create. You create. I want to say create new narratives, but actually, you just highlight existing narratives and push them to the forefront and it really takes consistency and and, um, a lot of work and thought Uh, and i feel like not everyone's willing to do that and um, it's just something that i just carry over from my everyday life working as um, an admin and for nonprofits and working in education and social justice issues such as urban planning and housing I just have learned how to speak to people and create this, how do I say, create this this community and this this more tender way of approaching kink. Um, and so I, I really just hope that the work that I'm doing inspires people and, and really makes the community safer and, and helps people enjoy being themselves.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice way to put it. Helps people enjoy being themselves. Wow. That's like, if you write a book, that'll be on the, <laughs> that's the subtitle. Um, but that's, there's a couple of things that you mentioned. I really want to talk about like sensual domination and the way that you want to represent, you mentioned specifically like doing rope work and doing it in a sensual way, right? But first, before we get to that, it's interesting that you said you had kind of like a social justice, social work background because you're not the first dom that I know of that has had that sort of a background and then kind of carried those values forward into their kink practice. Can you tell me exactly like what led you from one to another, how that leap kind of made sense to you?
0: Oh, for sure. It's an interesting story. I don't think I've really been into it. And so, this will be the first time really talking to uh, someone besides my current partner about this. Um,
1: Awesome.
0: (laughs) I got involved in something I want to call polyfuckery, which is like when (laughs) you do polyamory all wrong in my early 20s with someone i had been with for about seven years. Um, But, that was very interesting i won't go we can talk about that later but (laughs) while in exploring ethical non-monogamy um because i realized i always was um non-monogamous i could i was always polyamorous i went to a munch for ethical non-monogamous people of color and they were all kinksters and when i started exploring ethical mom monogamy, I started to see my own kinks emerging. Um, some of the things that I love, like impact play and, and bondage, and I started making these connections. And I was able to step into myself. And like this was a really tough time for me um, in that relationship. I was basically replaced by the person who my partner was dating at the time when we were living together and, um, broke some agreements, um, because I wanted to be there. We agreed on me staying at the place for a certain amount of time, and then I ended up having to, to leave before that, but... I was also recovering from my cousin passing away and I was dealing with grief and it was I was working a very demanding job and dealing with mental health issues that I've had my entire life and really taking them seriously and I felt like I had no support and in my journey and like healing and overcoming so many things, I really saw the importance of processing your emotions and your thoughts and through like physical means and like having quiet space that 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 happens in kink and i saw a need for more organization in the community and more conversation and i saw so much um, intellectual and emotional resources in this space i decided that i wanted to create role for myself and, oh. and create space for myself and for others who I'll inspire.
1: That's amazing. I mean, I imagine that a lot of people that do approach kink in this way, it's because of their own journeys with like things you mentioned, like struggles with mental health through also just having a lot of different resources surrounding their own mental health. Like if you've been doing therapy for a long time, I feel like those are so many skills that you are gaining like as far as um, how to be supportive with someone that's going through you know their own personal journey and I feel like same with like on my end um, it was kind of like both my headmistress her like core kink values like were also she came from a social work background too and then she's like uh, has uh, like another she has a couple different practices happening right now that are kind of in the wellness sphere as well and then also years of me struggling with my mental health and me having kinky dominant partners I'm a swish so me having kinky dominant partners who were just like some big supportive figures in my life and having years of therapy and me realizing like how how essential that was to me in my journey and is still currently, you know, throughout my journey as it goes forward. And I think that to approach dominance in that way, you know, just made sense to me that like, hey, people need this, people need support. And I think especially during um, like COVID, a lot of people are just alone, you know, and like, and a lot of people are struggling, right? So I think just all of those things coming together, I'm like, Oh, this for sure is my focus. Like I'm a wellness dom. Man, there's a need. There's a big need for it, I think.
0: It really is. And actually, I was before um, before COVID, I was more and I was actually curating Spaces and workshops and events, and had to pivot with the help of my partner, who is uh, my, uh, my life partner, my nesting partner, um, who's also is a sex worker, who and a copywriter, who just really helped me pivot from solely in-person services to creating virtual spaces and virtual resources and a virtual product so to speak i also do virtual domination sessions where i give audio um, af- affirmations or, or discipline
1: yeah i love having a round practice um where you kind of come at it from a lot of different ways too because it's like Well, not only is it just wise to like diversify your outcome, your income, but, you know, I I love the fact that you're also if you're like, I'm an educator, but I also do domination sessions, um, like creating content that's both educational and sexy and insightful and inspiring and all of this stuff. And then from doing like workshops to doing sessions to doing mentorship and all of that. So I, I really identified with that too. I was like, ooh, I love that you're coming at it from all these ways. Because kink is this layered.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it's also been unlocking things in me personally and helping me get back to writing, uh, writing poetry and essays. And I started chronicling in, in detail, um, my journey and um, and using my thoughts to talk about popular media and writing essays that are fun and, and informative, and I, I created a Patreon for that, and that's um, something I'm really excited about because i felt creatively stifled for so long and kink has given me a new avenue to to
1: be creative
0: be creative again yeah
1: i love that i also view kink very much as creatively satisfying like i love being able to i have like a performance background basically um and a writing background so I'm very much a creative person and the fact that I can be creative like not only doing it all in all little ways like I do the same as you I have like a patreon where I do erotic fiction and stuff like that I do I also write you know I'm a writer so yeah I write essays or I write classes that I'm going to teach or whatever but also just in session for me because I have a performance background it's like oh my god give me all the role plays it's so fun for me, yes. and it's such an outlet for me. Like, uh, it's so creative. I really, truly believe kink is. What's
0: like, your favorite role to play? About? Like,
1: oh my god, I will literally do anything. Um, <laughs> I love medfet me, roleplay. Me. I love like I love all the archetypes, of course. Like, I love teacher student. I love like uh, caregiver little. I love anything medfet doctor patient. Um, mm-hmm. I. I love, I've done like mall cop role play, which I really love. I love um, role plays that are switched, like where I'll play the student and then dominate from the student, dominate the teacher from the student's perspective, like Mm -hmm. ones that kind of flip the power dynamics around. I have one client actually a virtual client that loves SPH so we think of all and he loves role play too so every session we think of a new way to do a SPH role play so like for instance the one that we just did recently was like I um had a I decided to go to therapy you know because I was kind of fine finding our sex life like you know, a little unsatisfying. So I decided to go to therapy. And what the the therapist was this like big, beautiful man. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, he basically uh, told me about like cucking and all of this new stuff that this therapist has told me. So I bring it home to my boyfriend and I'm explaining it all to him, um, uh-huh. you know, and I'm like basically pitching, like, ooh, well, maybe we can do this cuckolding thing that I've just learned about. Like, so just stupid things, like, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. But it's so fun. Like, I love having fun. Like, that's, if you're booking yeah. me, we're having fun. So, you know, give me stupid creative role plays to do. I'll eat it up. What are some yeah. of your favorite role plays?
0: I, um, typically... Don't do much role play. I come in as a Mm rigor and do my thing. (laughs) But I have a lot of fantasies that I. Excited this year. I think I'm excited to I feel like I'm getting nervous. When really you start thinking about kinks and, and scenes and you get that flustered feeling, that's what I'm having yeah. right now.
1: Yeah. You're feeling hot. You're feeling warm.
0: <laughs> and it's so interesting that I haven't had have that in a while. It's like, ooh, that question. That question. Um, I do love this. A dynamic between a mentor mm. mentee mm-hmm. role placing where you're exchanging stories and you're being swept into knowing that you you both are part of. Each other's lives in a way that no one else would understand, like a, a for like a forbidden romance. I think those role plays are always the best because then you're you you're you're getting this this sweetness.
1: It's true. I mean, a lot of the like role play archetypes are based in like taboo relationships, right? they're like yeah between like that with the power dynamics right it's like should this should the teacher be sleeping with the student no of course they shouldn't be you know what i mean and that's why it's kind of exciting to play with you know what i mean like (laughs) should the mentor be sleeping with the mentee no they shouldn't be but it's like a really fun fantasy to to kind of play with you know
0: yeah
1: I love a reluctant, a reluctant romance. Like, you know, throw just a little bit of, like, con, non-con in there. Mm-hmm. Just make it a little reluctant. Like, they have to be convinced, you know. <laughs> I love that shit.
0: Have you ever seen um, The Chilling the Bunches of Sabrina? Yes. Yeah, so, um, Now, that's a good fucking roleplay. <laughs> like, a primal ass scene because uh, i'm also into that shit i'm also like primal um so i do i want to be sometimes the wolf the beast um yeah that's it's in your like, name it's in your yeah. namesake yeah it's my namesake i do want to be that that wolf that, that comes and and binds and ties and immobilizes you with that presence that's that's really the essence of lotus workforce um so that is the that is literally what i i channel i channel and so i do i would love to do more more interesting scenes like uh, something with uh, a
1: little wolfy
0: a little wolfy
1: yeah <laughs> I did a scene um, as a handler like where where I was the top I did a scene where I was attempting to domesticate like a wolf you know what I mean to like a house mm-hmm. pet that was a really yeah. cause that like hit the hit those primal the primal thing it hit the reluctant thing it hit like all this ultra this like cool kind of nurturing vibe mm-hmm. um as well. Yeah. It was like a really, really interesting scene. Yeah. Hot. I also like something I do, um, <laughs> something I kind of am falling into more and more often because I do it when I feel comfortable is topping or doming from little space. That's something I kind of mm. <laughs> fall What into. does that look like for you? It's kind of, I think to me in my head, it's related to bimbo as well. Like, it's a lot of, like, oopsie, uh uh-oh, I don't know, (laughs) like, what's (laughs) happening, Uh uh-uh, like, it's like that. So, like, I've either, you know, misplaced something and they're stuck like that, Um, you know, like, misplaced the keys, or like, oh, no, I don't know how to turn it off, or like, also just like not understanding their reactions too like why are you so afraid why are you so tense like is it because of this or is it because of this or oh it must be this and like just fucking with them basically like i don't know if you how old you are but like you know like elvira is that her name elmira in um
0: elmira and animaniacs yeah So it's funny, I actually did a
1: scene recently with, um, with two other people that are in my bubble, where I topped the one person, it was a co top situation. So I topped Mm -hmm. this other person that I hadn't topped from little space before. So actually, I'm really interested in having a conversation with her now to see how she like received it. Because I was very just like bratty baby top with her. And I'm like, I'm going to see her this weekend. So I'm going to ask her, like, how did that really feel for you? You know what I mean? To have like a little, a little top. (laughs) Because it felt great for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So bratty, (laughs) Dom.
1: It was so fun for me.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you get to get that feedback, right? And And that's that's important. I think... Um, that's something that's not usually discussed. We have talk about doms getting feedback, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't hear about that in the community. but well, we need to make sure that doms are getting feedback and are taking feedback seriously and that, we're, you know
1: just the idea that like doms dominance don't know everything they're not flawless beings like they're right. on a learning journey too every scene you do you should be learning so like these kind of analysis conversations after you know, do your immediate aftercare. But part of the like, long term aftercare, in my opinion, is like, breaking down the scene a bit, you know, was my read good here, I felt like you were really struggling here, but that I could push you a bit further. How is my read on that, you know, like shit like that, not only will it inform you how to better dominate this person, or people that, you know, maybe have similar kinks as that person, but it'll just help you as a dom going forward, just in general, to know whether you're doing it, like, like, when you look at like yours and my kink values, like whether we're truly doing it ethically, um, consensual, safely, like stuff like that, but also just like, you know, the other kind of fun fantasy stuff, like, did I get that fantasy right? Like, you explained it to me beforehand. Did I hit it or, or not? You know, yeah. And what kind of, what do I need to do in the future to kind of understand this kink in the way that you're, like, what questions do I need to ask maybe um, that would have been better?
0: Yes, I I try to always know, like, what do you like to be called? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and, and use that anchor um, throughout the scene so that I, I, I can... <laughs> at least try to channel the, the information that I've been given.
1: Yeah, especially if you don't know the person very well. Like, if you're doing a session with a client you haven't session with before, yeah, it's like, what do you like to be called? On top of that, I usually ask, like, are there just things you like to hear, like phrases you like to hear? Because for me as a bottom, like, phrases and speech and dirty talk are, like, really important to me um like more so sometimes than the physical sensation is like the thing that's being said to me so I for sure make sure to at the very least ask that kind of stuff let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Another thing that I want to kind of circle back to is this... um... I'd love you for you to talk about like sensual domination for me, and mm-hmm. maybe how it's different from maybe the kink we see represented in media.
0: Yeah, I it's slower. I will, I'm gonna just take some words out there: uh, slower, softer. Intention. The intention is mm-hmm. care, nurturing. Yeah, it can be strict, it can be disciplinary, but only the moment matters. It's just the two people, and everything fades away. You give up control, but never power. In fact, you find it Mm -hmm. because you create this space where Mm -hmm. you're learning and open and vulnerable that's, that's how I see
1: it. Yeah. And I like that you're saying that, like, physically, you know, it can still be disciplinary, or kind of strict, or, you know, like pain can still be involved, for instance, like, absolutely. But but it doesn't mean, you know, like soft domination, sensual domination doesn't necessarily equal the like a lack of the kinks uh, like uh, like you can play anywhere on the spectrum of any of the kinks and still do it in like a sensual way you know what i mean because it's about the connection about the care about the intimacy between the two people like you can cane sensually
0: yes yes you can yeah and i think like we have to um view like these things and this domination in this sensual way I feel like gives a more complete understanding of kink. Uh, it's very different from what we see in the mainstream. And so it's really refreshing to see um, people interested in it.
1: Yeah, and like if you're, you're seeing content where like you see the love, you know, it's a kink scene, it's maybe an impact scene or a rope scene or something like that, but you feel the love, like that's so unique and that's so underrepresented.
0: And I think that's also what separates, Audrey Lorde says, you know, what, what separates the erotic from the pornographic is that the pornographic emphasizes um, sensations without feeling, whereas the erotic, it's, uh, it's about the feeling, what feels right.
1: That's so beautiful, really. Like kink is romantic.
0: Yes, it is. Romance isn't dead. Just, no, thank to God. be roughed up a bit <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just need the edges need to be frayed a little bit because yeah. that's that's how i see like acts of service like protocol um and like task work and stuff like that like that happens in ongoing dynamics like i see it as like very romantic it's like all these little ways all these little you know things we've decided that are going to happen throughout a relationship, like you kneel when I enter a room, or whatever it happens to be. I think they're all just little acts of love, like they're acts of like reminding us about our dynamic and how important our dynamic is right. to each other. It shows
0: intention. It's a ritual. It's uh, yeah. It shows intention and commitment.
1: Yeah, and attention. You know, it's yes, attention.
0: Well.
1: It sh- shows that I'm giving you my energy, my attention you know, and that the fact that you're peppering them throughout the day, you know, or your week or whatever it is, it's like, a lot of folks don't get attention from their partners, you know, on a consistent basis, or it's like, okay, maybe they'll go on a date. And that's the one time where they're truly have each other's full undivided attention. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think just in life in any of our relationships with family with friends with coworkers, with partners like we very rarely really have the other person's undivided attention so like to create all these like moments of protocol and ritual in like a long-term ds dynamic is like it's basically committing to do that on a regular basis which is like so important
0: mm-hmm. it's uh it's uh, it's like courtship <laughs> um yeah extended <laughs> yes extended so like there is no, <laughs> no honeymoon it's always it's always important it's always yeah effective. ongoing, courtship. ongoing courtship i like that yes i like that yes like that write <laughs> it down write it down <laughs> yeah somebody can record get a bet <laughs>
1: it's true though like kink can be emotional like vulnerable and like and I mean you know you gotta say that like if you don't practice it this way the way you practice is still valid you know what I mean whoever's listening to this out there if they don't go this deep with their kink that's fine you do you but it has the potential you know to be as we said before like life-changing which is one of the words I think you were saying when you were describing um that essay is that creating a moments of intimacy can be life-changing
0: yes
1: I truly believe that like even if you do play with kinks on a surface level and you're not like maybe intentionally doing all of this kind of work emotional work I think it still affects you in ways you don't even know
0: yeah I mean also Hormones, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can mess with these pain receptors and releasing all types of different feel goods. <laughs> you will be changed. Endorphins, <laughs>
1: yeah. Adrenaline. All that stuff is actually physically changing you. Yeah. They're chemical reactions having in your body.
0: Yeah, which is why we should be. Talking about safety a lot and aftercare and and have these conversations and, and let people see what goes into this, like these things beyond just like caning and and smacking.
1: <laughs> it's interesting though, um, despite having like, you know, represent, representation in media that is like kind of the more... Cold, strict, stern kind of end of the spectrum, which can be lovely and actually can be quite romantic as well. But like, it's amazing that, like, that is most of what people who are not actually kinksters know about kink. They're like, they picture, you know, the dominatrix just absolutely destroying, you know, a male sub or whatever. But I was surprised, like, starting a professional practice, despite that's the representation really, how most people, like, know there's got to be a softer side to this, like, like people asking for sensual domination, but not even knowing if that was okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really like pain. Is that okay? And I'm like, what? Of course, it's okay. You don't have to, like, that's not there's, that's one very small aspect of it. So it's just interesting to me that, like, that's what's generally represented. But I don't, I truly don't think that that's what most people, that's the style that they want.
0: I I believe so too. And then also we should strive to show more of the letters in popular culture, more bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism, submission. We want to show all the individual components, I think, because there are Mm -hmm. so many... Kinks that people have that they all know. When I really got to see Rope, I was like, "Oh, yes, this is this is the thing for me."
1: Okay, tell me what you like about Rope. Once again, it's in your namesake, mm-hmm. so I'm imagining it's one of your main gigs, <laughs> one of your main bags. Yes. What do you love about Rope?
0: Um, I love that it feels amazing. That you can pretty much shape it to your will, and that it's cheap, it's easily accessible, and mm-hmm. you can do so many different things with it, it's a first
1: How did you learn how to do rope?
0: I learned from books, videos, and going to rope share.
1: And how do you continue to learn about rope?
0: I continue by working with my partner, tying um, on her and tying myself and tying tying new people when I can, but always learning more about different types of rope, different artists, different uh, harnesses, different knots, and also trying to stay up on what the new styles are.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. Because I'm sure things are coming out all the time of different ways to do it. So it's like, great. Let's learn that too. Add that to the old repertoire.
0: And also constantly studying anatomy. Just trying to make sure that I'm understanding my own body, my partner's body as someone who deals with um, chronic pain, um, working, in, in ways that are formed
1: and risk-aware. Definitely, very important to mention. Can you talk about like, because I think a lot of people that know of rope, they were they're more um, aware of seeing like the finished product of the finished product of a tie, you know what I mean, or a suspension or a harness or something like that. Like that's what for, we're familiar seeing. Mm-hmm. So, like, can you tell, like, my listeners what happens before that? Like, rope doesn't happen instantly. Like, you don't instantly, suddenly are in this visually, aesthetically beautiful, gorgeous um, tie, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't just flash it onto you. I don't teleport. The exactly. you. <laughs> there's <Yeah. not laughs> like
1: There's not, like, a little belt buckle on the back where you just kind of... Buckle it up or something like, so what is happening in the whole process of actually doing the tying?
0: In that process. Well, it, 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 well, the process starts before I even do physical tying, right? Because you're trying to get to know the person. I do ask a lot of questions about their body. Like, are there any injuries I should know of? Uh, what type of tie they want? Like, that's important. To the time because then the, the top the riggers then having to make decisions based on the bottom's skill level and comfort level and their skill level and comfort level and the materials that they have so all of that happens um, before <laughs> or like as this is happening and uh, <laughs> you take your time You have this quiet moment based on what was negotiated where the rope is being applied with the right amount of force that you want and your body is being controlled in the ways that you've Mm -hmm. been negotiated. So scenes can take place on the feet or on the floor. I really like the floor because it gives a moment to hold the rope bottom in your arms and mm. then begin tying and I also like standing because you can start from a hug and establish eye contact and mm. some harnesses take a lot longer because you're going to be moving and turning around you're dealing with the friction and you're dealing with a human body, not a parcel, and you're you're trying to make sure that the rope doesn't pinch any areas of skin, so you're making sure that your hands are... uh, I'm speaking from a top's perspective, that your hands um, will take the brunt of the rope burn if you feel like you need to move your rope quickly. Um, Otherwise, you're moving your rope slowly, getting the right amount of tension, noticing... The rope bottom's face. Are they in in agreeable agony? Are they in 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 some, in some... agreeable agony? Oh, <laughs> which I is somewhere that. I get my rope from. Which is such a beautiful name. But like, yes, are they enjoying this pleasure? Um, are they uncomfortable? Do you need to check in? Like these things are happening. It's a conversation. It's it's like jazz happening in the moment, just between two people. And the rope is an instrument, but the, 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 the rope bottom is the subject of the scene, and the rope top is using this muse uh, to create something that, that didn't exist before. And the rope is just an instrument.
1: And what's happening for the person getting tied during this process?
0: Oh, I've, I can also speak from that. Perspective because I've also been tied and I experienced rope space. You're feeling the rope get tighter on you slowly. It's like a a hug in different places. It's as if the rope top is touching you with a thousand arms, you know, and applying pressure on specific places. And you start to. Retreat into yourself, and the only thing that matters is you and that person in that space in that moment.
1: Once again, very romantic.
0: Yeah, it's romance, it's, it's intimacy.
1: And I love how, um, I love how you described it like a thousand arms like a thousand a tiny, a thousand tiny arms hugging you. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's just a great feeling. I, I do recommend people try it out themselves.
1: Yeah, I imagine the experience would be different now that you have to do it virtually. As you were saying, you kind of have to work with, like, the since they're essentially self tying and you're, I guess, directing them perhaps while they're doing it. It's like you do have to rely kind of on their experience level um yeah. and their resources you know like same with me doing a Skype session it's like okay what do you got over there some people have nothing no implements no sex toys no anything it's like okay we're just using our hands today i guess like it's mm-hmm. all based on what they've got on their side of the screen you know so like i'm i'm shit with rope so i'm legitimately mm-hmm. asking um i'm like that's one of my things that i just do not have on my tool belt um but if you're doing like an online domination session, a one-on-one session with somebody and you're instructing them to self-tie, they're, they need to have some basic rope
0: skills. Yes, they, assume. they do. And, and safety shears.
1: Yes. And some shears right, right next to them. I've had, I've heard some, oof, I had a friend recently who actually is quite an experienced rope top and she, um, did, was doing a self suspension and, uh, something went wrong and oh boy she could not reach the Mm shears and then eventually got out of it but was was it was looking pretty risky she she realized looking back that she actually oh didn't listen to a lot of warning bells like she was kind of tired that day was one of them she felt rushed was another part of it she's like Mm i I bulldozed through a lot of my warning bells that day, and that's, yeah. that was the result. The rope is dangerous, even for right. an experienced top, you know.
0: It is. It, it, it is, yep. and that's something that you have to be uh, risk-aware.
1: Totally. Risk-aware consensual kink. hmm
0: Rack. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Rack it up. <laughs> what other types of kinks do you usually do in your, like, one-on-one virtual sessions or consultations even what kind of yeah. kinks do you generally instruct people to do
0: well for my virtual sessions it's it's really i do mostly the audios people would really want to dose where i curate a fantasy right, so i curate time possibly the suspension um, or partial suspension with impact play
1: I love that. I I had somebody. I did a session with somebody who they're a big like erotica reader. So they're like, for this session, can you like just read the story to me? Mm -hmm. I was like, hell yes. (laughs) Give your own little live erotica reading, audio erotica reading.
0: Kinky ASMR.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I did a I did a kinky ASMR for my Patreon recently. But, yeah, all that kind of stuff can be so stimulating, you know, and it, and it completely works virtually.
0: And I enjoy doing it. <laughs> that's a, that's another thing. I
1: enjoy titillating with my voice. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell. You probably have a pretty good voice for it. You've got, like, a deep, warm, resonant voice. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can imagine how this would, this would be good. <laughs> but, okay, we... Are nearing the end of the pod um this has been so lovely i'm wondering if you have (laughs) it's been a lovely talk i'm wondering if you have any like final words for the people um maybe i don't know something you just wanted to people to let people know about you or your practice um Mm. either repeating something we mentioned or maybe a misconception people might have about you or something that we didn't get to say yet that you think is important to say about you
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, what else I can say? On top of being a dom and a pro-dom, I'm also a queer, polyamorous, uh, masculine presenting person. And I think that uh, it also it, it changes how people view me in kink, or people have perceptions of what they think my kinks are, what my roles are. In. I just wanna let people know that you shouldn't let mainstream kink culture dictate what your role or who you wanna be in kink. Yeah. It's really about self discovery and, and knowing yourself and, and finding that. And that's a beautiful process.
1: What a lovely note to end on. <laughs>
0: Gorgeous.
1: <cool>. Romance. Um <laughs> once again, romantic. Are you able to tell everyone where they can find and follow you to learn yeah. more about all your lovely things, all your knowledge that you have to offer, and if people want to book you to do a little consult with you or a little session via Zoom?
0: <laughs> yes, you can book me at booklotuswolfwolf at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at lotus underscore wolf wolf. And the Twitter is also the same, Lotus underscore Ropolf. Um, I have a class with my partner Blaine coming up on March 11th at 6 p.m. Pacific. It's VoxBody.com. And uh, you can you can find me on my link tree. You follow me on Patreon. And the class um, at Vox is about the composition of closeness, which is how to use rope as a tool for intimacy. So I'll be going into details about some of the things that I talked about um, on the podcast today and, like, creating that course. Amazing. Yes. Oh, and can I put another plug? I'm also hosting a virtual munch for Kingsters Who love Cannabis um, with my partner, The Green Goddess, and that's going to be on March 5th. And the link is in my bio. And um, my entry on Instagram and Twitter. Amazing. <laughs> and Twitter. <laughs> yes. Um, like, um, we're really trying to fill the virtual space and, you know, just yeah. create, create these moments of education and, and linking up with, with so many people. And, um, and also, it's, it's, it's February, it's Black History Month, and so I'm also trying to teach about Black queer sex work icons and and kingsters. so yeah there's there's a lot happening and uh really want to see more people uh, thinking critically and, and loving themselves
1: amazing well thank you so much for all of that i hope everyone that's been listening today goes and checks you out inquires about your workshops coming up it all sounds absolutely amazing and for folks, as per usual, you can find me on Twitter at the Lady One. I'm also on Instagram at the Lady Pym and at the Bedpost Podcast. We did mention our Patreons. What's your Patreon, Lotus Rope Wolf?
0: It's uh, with uh, lettuce and bling.
1: Perfect. And for me, it is the Bedpost. What is it? The bed. <laughs> the Bedpost Show. i think yeah the wow i don't even know the bedpost show i believe and then youtube is the bedpost sex show if you want to email me anything kink or domination related ladyfim at protonmail.com if it's podcast related the bedpost sex show at gmail.com And then if um, one last thing, I always like to mention the lady that does the original music for the podcast. You have just been listening to that is Stephanie Copeland, and you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. But one last huge thank you to you, Lotus rope wolf. This has been such a lovely conversation and I appreciate you. Thank Thank you. Thank
0: you so much for having me.
1: My absolute pleasure. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. We'll see you next week with another fun, and sexy guests talking about sex and sexuality here on the Bed Post Podcast. Get fucked, everybody. <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.